Episode 180 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host, Stefan Botzko, as always, and I'm joined by three other guys for the Revier Derby preview show and also the Hamburg preview show since it's an Englische Woche in Germany, meaning Dortmund will play in Gelsenkirchen on Saturday and then move over to the Westfalen Stadion to host Hamburg on Tuesday. And uh, to talk about all that and some other news are... Konstantin Eckner. Hello, Konstantin. Hi. Matthias Zug. Hello. Also here again. Hello, hello. Hi, Matthias. And Luca Giel. Hello, Stefan. It's good to have you all here. Uh, before we get to the news, uh, I will have to uh, thank a couple of Patreon supporters. It's uh, always very nice and very receiving uh, when a couple of you guys uh, pledge us some money and... Uh, A shout-out goes out this week to Franco Rivas, Jakob Stolzenbach and Derek Americana. I'm very, very grateful for that. Thank you, guys. Keep it up. If you want to support us on Patreon, do that on patreon.com slash theyellowwall. And uh, yeah, someone who might support Borussia Dortmund next year is Mahmoud Dahoud since he signed a five-year deal and uh, that was announced today, end of March, probably because Dortmund had to trigger his release clause. Uh, yeah, joining Dortmund for roughly 10 million euros. Matthias, first take on that transfer? Very, very good. Um, he fills the, at times, creative void we've had in central midfield. So I think it makes perfect, perfect sense, especially given that the future of Mario Götze is still a little bit up in the air. We don't know how well he's going to recover um, and how long it's going to take for him to recover. So I think it's a... A very, very good transfer signing for B4B. Very well. Konstantin, uh, can you profile Mr. Dahoud a little bit? Carve out, carve out his strengths, weaknesses, and how he might fit into Dortmund's system? Uh, you got an hour? No. Um, seriously, he's a center midfielder from Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, quite young, I don't know, 21 maybe. Uh, yeah, has, has performed quite well, uh, in the so-called Rick Runder, um, next to Kramer, um, as a center midfielder, um, mostly the playmaker, uh, for Gladbach, but also, uh, I think defensively a little bit underrated because he's a great counter pressing player, um, very intense in one on one situations, in defensive one on one situations, uh, and also someone who can, you know, move up the pitch, uh, play beautiful passes, uh, great agility. Just uh, great vision, uh, great awareness uh, on the pitch. Uh, someone, yeah, who is uh, probably the future um, of like the midfield midfielder generation in Europe. Yeah, I think we've talked endless and countless times about Borussia Dortmund's midfield lacking 
a man who connects basically the uh, defense and the offense in, in build-up play. And uh, I think Dahoud, especially paired up next to Weigel, is someone who can facilitate that connection and uh, make the whole Dortmund team, the 11, a little bit more cohesive. And I, I think that's uh, why Tuchel already wanted him last summer. Um, Luca, there was somebody who once wrote on the yellow wall, pod.com, uh, an article headlining Arborissa Dortmund one Mahmoud Dahoud away from the title and who is better than you to answer that question now? Yeah, I mean he he's definitely a big step or a big asset to bring Dortmund a step closer to the title or to challenge for a title I would say. Um, like Konstantin and Matthias said he's He's what Dortmund have been missing at times this season in midfield, and that's a great signing for the club and a great uh, sign for the direction of the club. Um, also, because it's a sign that Tuchel will stay one for one more year, I think, because they talked last uh, week, Dahoud and Tuchel, and it was a big goal of Dahoud to play under Tuchel. And uh, I don't think he would have signed for Dortmund uh, had he... Uh, known or had Tuchel told him that he isn't going to be here next season. So I think it's at least one more year with Tuchel and maybe even more. Yeah, that sounds all very encouraging. Same question over to you, Matthias. Uh, will Dortmund be more of a title challenger next year? And also already looking on the uh, flip side of that transfer, because I got a couple of responses on Twitter saying that uh, this probably means the end of one Shinji Kagawa and Nuri Shain. Uh, is it connected to the transfer? Uh, well, to answer your first part of the question, uh, I do believe Dortmund will be a, a greater title, title challenger next season, not just because of Dahoud, but also we can't forget Toprak. Uh, I think that'll, um, solidify our defense a little bit more. So we have to see a lot less of Matthias Ginta back there. Um, <laughs> And, and again, I, I think creatively the, the game pressing system and also pressing resistance for Dahoud is something very, very positive, especially when you compare it to Kagawa, whose pressing resistance is rather lacking at times, uh, especially in a Tuchel type formation, because it's not a, you know, he doesn't really play a 4-2-3-1, uh, system that they used, uh, under Klopp. Uh, so I think for Kagawa, it's definitely getting close to the end of the road for him. I don't see him getting past Dahoud, Götze, and Guerrero uh, in there. And then as far as uh, Nuri Shahin goes, with him, I think it has less to do with Dahoud. It has a lot more to do with the fact that he just can't stay healthy the last few seasons, unfortunately. Uh, I think had he stayed healthy... You know, I, I think that wouldn't be such a big topic, but since unfortunately he's had a lot of injury issues, I think that's the greater issue with Nuri and why he may be moving on uh, after this season one way or another. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, Dortmund's title race obviously always depends on what Bayern are doing. Uh, but, you know, some people assume they will digress a little bit more. There's a transition coming up in Munich and Ribery and uh, Robben and so on aren't getting any younger. Uh, so there's always next year. And that's a phrase that always brings me to Schalke, of course, uh, who right now are sitting in, in ninth place, 13 points behind Dortmund, who uh, are sitting in third place. Konstantin, um, the Revier Derby often is described as the 
mother of all derbies? Is it really so? And if so, what, what do you think about this derby? Are you pumped? Are you hyped? Um, yes and no. I mean, maybe it's the mother of all derbies in Germany, uh, or in, I don't know, middle Europe, maybe. Uh, but globally, of course not. I mean, there's like, uh, we'll play it, uh, against, uh, Boca Juniors, uh, Penal Nacional and others, uh, I think, uh, with a longer history. Um, but of course the Derby, uh, is important in, uh, Germany and a very, very important, um, high profile match in the, you know, Warport region. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, important match for both sides uh Dortmund could close the gap to RB Leipzig maybe and on the other hand they have to you know um keep Hoffenheim at bay who are just one point short uh of Dortmund um and Schalke I mean they need to win basically they're I think seven no four points or seven points I think four points behind the Europa League ranks however if uh Gladbach uh, wins the semi-finals, uh, semi-final match in the, um, DFB Pokal in the German Cup. Um, then I think only the fifth place, uh, qualifies the team for the, uh, Europa League. I'm not sure, but I think so. Um, so yeah, it's, it's basically Schalke after a mediocre season. Uh, if they want to, uh, play, you know, internationally next season, um, they basically have to, uh, win at least one point against Dortmund, I think. Yeah. On, on uh, Saturday, Leipzig hosts Darmstadt, uh, so I assume Leipzig will come away with all three points. And uh, on Friday already, Hertha will host Hoffenheim, which uh, will be a very interesting game for Dortmund. also means that Dortmund could enter the Revere Derby on fourth place. Matthias, how do you see Dortmund entering the Revere Derby, though? What do you think in terms of personnel and... Uh, you know, tactical approach. What do you what do you expect from the Black and Yellows after another international break? Well, as far as personnel goes uh, for Dortmund, I'm done making predictions because every time I've said, "Oh, I think they're going to do this or that," Thomas Tuchel does something totally different. Uh, so I'm not going to go there. Um, I do believe, or at least I hope, Dortmund will come out of the gate a little bit more aggressively, try to uh, press. Uh, Schalke a little bit more, especially with them not having Kolasinac or Chupomating. They lose some defensive stability and some speed going they forward. They might have them though. They they're might. just doubtful. Doubtful. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, hopefully they'll be more than doubtful, but if they don't play, um, I would be more aggressive. If they do play, you know, just keep on doing what you're doing. Schalke watching them play a lot is the interesting thing is, if you give them enough time, odds are they're going to make a mistake. Uh, they just seem that kind of team this season. Almost like the Jose Mourinho approach. Let the other team have position, possession because they'll make more mistakes that way. Um, I don't agree with that 100%, but I, I think Schalke are, are always very, very error prone. Granted, we have those lapses on occasion too. Um, you know, Ginta, Hata, but, uh, I would say pressing them, um, uh, Using our speed um, and creativity on the wings, I think, uh, would be an advantage. But again, Tuchel always thinks of something different at all times, no matter what I say. So that's about it, what I think. Yeah, you know, I think speed is a good point because when I watch Schalke, I always see them, you know, taking one touch more than Dortmund players. Um, and I, I think, you know, they're 
game overall is just a little bit slower than Dortmund. So hence, if you press them, you will probably wreak havoc there. Um, but who is there to wreak havoc? Uh, Luca, please answer the question of who is even or can be available for Dortmund heading into this game. Yeah, we won't know for sure until we heard the presser, but I think uh, Pulisic probably isn't going to start because he played on Wednesday morning our time in Panama, so long flight as well. Um, Kagawa played on Tuesday in Japan, also a long flight, so he might be a bit tired. Um, Guerrero and Dembele had games on Tuesday, but Dembele only played 10 minutes and Guerrero didn't play at all. So they should be there, they should be fit. Uh, Schürrle didn't train with the team today. They said it's just precaution or just uh, uh, basically different training intensities for different players who had a different uh, schedule the last few days. So we'll we'll see about that. But there seems to be a bit of a, uh, yeah, let's say shortcoming up front because uh, Royce is obviously injured. I don't think he'll feature. No chance uh, after his mus muscle injury. Uh, then we don't know about Schürrle. We don't know about Kagawa and Pulisic, who both came back late. Uh, Dembele should be fine, and Moore should probably be fine, who had a good game for Turkey. So, yeah, we'll see who can feature there. But other than that, uh, it looks the squad looks relatively healthy. Um, not sure if Shahin, who's been in back in team training for a while, could maybe be an option for the squad. Same goes for Bender. We'll see about that. Yeah, for Schalke, it could be uh, Koke, who might be in the squad for the first time which also tells us a little bit about their uh yeah struggles this year because they had to deal with a couple of injuries as well Brill and Bolo also injured uh, long term and Nalo now out so yeah they are also very hit hard by injuries even more so than Dortmund at times um Konstantin what are the strengths and weaknesses of this Schalke side uh, what players should Dortmund keep an eye on and who could could they neglect let's say yeah um it depends really on the formation Weinziel decides to employ after dropping out of the German Cup and losing to Gladbach in the Bundesliga decisively Weinziel decided to drop the 5-3-2 and employ a you know 4-2-3-1 very customary system problem is that or I thought that like they are they are 5-3-2 at this great uh, midfield triangle with uh, Stamboli, Bentaleb and Goretzka. I thought they worked quite well, um, especially Goretzka roomed ball, ball far side, uh, mostly on the right side. Uh, Bentaleb kept the ball on the left and then, you know, played a cross crossover pass uh, to Goretzka and he was unmarked. That worked out effectively against uh, several opponents, but and they had Schöpf on the on the right, Kalichuri more or less on the left side as as like you know your your speedy ringers. Right now, it's you know just a mediocre system, and I think if Dortmund just keeps coming with a high press uh, against Bartstuber and Hövedes, you know covers the midfielders. I don't know Bentaleb maybe uh, ben, uh, and and puts pressure on uh, guys if, if he's the deeper center midfielder between the center backs um they should be fine there's not one particular player they should pay more attention to than than uh, to the other players um it's really if uh, the current system is not that impressive Constantine is there any way where do you where you see Schalke hurting Dortmund if Dortmund plays the high press uh Schalke will most certainly knock the ball forward Dortmund just have to be aware of the situation, have to be awake at any, at any moment because you, you got, you know, you got maybe a slippery ball here, um, some 
unlucky situations there um, where, uh, you know, let's say uh, um, somebody can't save the ball near Dortmund's penalty box and then Schöpf on the right, uh, maybe Kalichuri on the left. So you, um, these players who have speed, um, maybe they can go through. Um, that's the only situation I can see if, if, if Schalke just knocks the ball forward um, where they could hurt Dortmund. I mean, you have to be aware there and, and you have to just, you know, just be um, really focusing on keeping Schalke at bay. They just come forward with the slum balls. That's it, I think. Yeah, Matthias, Schalke did play a lot of long balls against Mainz in their 1-0 win uh, away from home. <laughs> it, was re it wasn't really nice to watch. Um, in front of their own crowd, however, uh, this, this crowd easily gets frustrated. How do you see uh, Dortmund taking the make out of the crowd, let's say? Oh, well, uh, <laughs> I guess, you know, that's kind of up to, to Schalke and how they perform. You know, if they're actually able to hold onto the ball and create a little bit of possession, um, I think that could create some, some issues for Dortmund, uh, depending on who plays, of course. Um, I think for Dortmund, an early goal would be key because I think then, All the negativity of this season that Schalke has had is going to come flooding back, especially for the supporters. Uh, and I think if Dortmund score an early goal, it, I'm not going to say route, but I think then it could turn into a, you know, a three goal Dortmund type win, uh, at that point, just because I think mentally Schalke are a little bit more fragile this season and they, and I've seen it just in matches that they, give up rather quickly. Um, if they wouldn't have Fairman, uh, I think they would be battling against relegation, in my opinion. And and I think he's he's one of the big keys for them also against Dortmund. If he's on top of his game, he's also a bit of an emotional guy who can lead it along with Hüvedis. Uh If if they have a good game, I think Schalke have a chance. If they don't, um, I think Dortmund uh, will, will win. All right, then. Luca, anything left to say on a derby? Anything that's on your mind? Uh, not really. I mean, the only thing I would be a bit worried about is that Dob that Schalke turned this game into, like Constantine said, just long ball after long ball and then press Dortmund high and Dortmund may not find a way other than to punt the ball backwards and then it's just uh, going to be a struggle either way and Schalke do have some individual quality with Max Meyer um, and Leon Goretzka and all those guys who can who are really good at the football. So that's my only worry. But other than that, Dortmund are the better team and i hope they'll they'll show it yeah we've just discussed this a couple of times on the show already uh throughout the season luca um how much do you fear quote-unquote that schalke will play very rough and how do you see dortmund handling it if schalke do so yeah i, I think they they will do that um they have a few players who who are Yeah, renowned to do that, basically. And one of them is doubtful in Kolasinac, so that would be a big boost for Dortmund if he doesn't play. Uh, he's not only good going up front, uh, going forward this season, but also just a tough guy, uh, a bit like Socrates on our side. So, uh, And he would play again, directly against Dembele, so uh, always, a, always a danger that he might uh, flip out and we'll see him get sent off or something. But yeah, I think they'll, they'll play it rough. And Dortmund have to just keep their cool. And like Matthias said, an early goal would be huge. And then you can just, like Pulisic did against Panama when they just kicked the uh, shit out of him, basically. 
just answered back with a calm assist and just show that you are better at the football than they are. Yeah, I welcome the explicit tag on the show, but <laughs> um, that will also be welcomed by Mr. Weinziel if Kulasinac is out because Aogo and Abdul Rahman Baba are both injured, which means uh, all three left back options for Schalke would be uh, yeah unavailable. So that would be a huge blow. Um, yeah. I guess now we've said everything and Matthias, uh, you have the honors of making the first prediction on this Revier Derby. I'm going to predict a Dortmund victory and I believe a 2-1 is a realistic goal. Alrighty, Konstantin? Um, yeah, I, I basically agree. I think 2-1 Dortmund. Luca, you uh, more I'll be pessimistic? I'll be optimistic for once and agree. <laughs> 2-1 for Dortmund. Alright. So I guess uh, I'll uh, also say 2-1 for Dortmund because I don't see Dortmund scoring 3 past Fehrmann. Not gonna happen. And with that, I think we can move over to HSV, die Rothosen, Hamburger Sportverein, whatever you want to call it. They are 16th in the Bundesliga right now on their beloved relegation playoff spot as they uh, <laughs> yeah have been so often within the last decade, I would say. Matthias, um, is this a trap game? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, looking at the last few seasons, you can't help but say it is. Um, I don't know what it is about this uh, Hamburg side that makes it so difficult for Dortmund, regardless if, if the manager is Tuchel or the manager is Klopp, no matter if we're top of the league or struggling or wherever we are. Somehow this team that is so pathetically bad most of the time and or inept, they're not bad per se, they're inept. There's a difference. Uh, just makes it really, really difficult for us. Uh, uh, I just, I have to be the eternal optimist and think that we're not going to let it happen. Not again. You know, I mean, come on. You know, I mean, I know it's, it's Hamburg. It's always been a trap game, but I'm going to say this is not the trap game. We had the trap game, and that was against Ingolstadt, and we somehow got through it. So this is not a trap game. All right, fair enough. Uh, Hamburg, of course, before the international break, had two wins against Berlin and Gladbach. So not too bad. And the scoreless draw against Frankfurt, I kind of saw that one coming. Um, Konstantin... Hamburg, definitely a team always playing on the rough, uh, will probably play pretty aggressively against Dortmund and also like to ping up high balls if need be. So uh, what kind of tactical shape from Hamburg can we expect and what kind of answer from Dortmund can we also expect? Yeah, you got always a chance that uh, Gistel decides to uh, change the system because... Uh, they are facing uh, one of the bigger clubs or one of the biggest clubs uh, in the Bundesliga uh, sometimes or often uh, coaches tend to change the shape, go from a back four to back five, for instance. But let's say they, you know, he, he keeps uh, or he sticks to the system he has employed uh, recently. Then it's it's a four to three one, uh, as you said, many long balls. The major mechanism there is that uh, they play long balls uh, towards uh, Bobby Wood mostly uh, who's the center forward um, and they get two center midfielders uh, with, with a high or wide range uh, they have to cover a lot of space uh, behind the four attacking players 
That's why um, in some matches uh, during the season, uh, they had two fullbacks playing as center midfielders, as Sakai uh, and Ostrolek, for instance. Right now, it's mostly Sakai, uh, who's actually a right back, and Ekdal, um, because they need athleticism in the center midfield um, to, you know, cover a lot of space, um, be aggressive, uh, because these long balls, they keep bouncing back and they have to pick it up and, you know, start start the next attack uh, all over again um, out of the center midfield. So that's what they are basically doing. Uh, if they can knock the ball forward and keep it there, um, then they got Kostic, Holtby, Hunt, these players who are, you know, have technique um, and also, um, yeah, some kind of attacking instinct. Um, so it's, it's basically uh, an you know, an average task for Dortmund, because Dortmund is facing a lot of similar teams uh, in the Bundesliga. Yeah, definitely. Um, Matthias, there's also Nikolai Müller, who Dortmund have to be very beware of. Um, how do you think uh, they will, however, go up against Hamburg's backline, led by Papadopoulos? Well, of course, Papadopoulos is physical and tall and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think where Hamburg can be vulnerable, especially if you look at their center back pairing, is one of our strengths going forward, and that's speed again. Uh, going at them with speed is something that I would expect and hope to see, because I think that's where they're most vulnerable. Uh, balls into space, behind the line, attack them with speed. I think that uh, that will expose them quickly. If you're trying to play the crossing game, odds are you're not going to get very far with that because we are not known as a very dangerous team heading-wise. Uh, but I think coming at speed, whipped in, lower crosses, things like that, uh, I think can can undo uh, Hamburg. Yeah, I think you're talking about the move Dortmund scored with against Ingolstadt yes. and also have done so a lot of times this season. Yes. Luca, uh, what do you expect from that game? Do you, do you think uh, Tuchel will uh, make any changes? <laughs> I know it's a, <laughs> it's a rotten question right now, but uh, but uh, of course Pulisic probably uh, fit then. So maybe the the guys who didn't play because of the international break might get a run out. What do you think? Yeah, it's always a bit. Um, I don't know. I shouldn't say it from the outside, but I think he has to make changes, changes basically, because we've seen it when, uh, with the last block of games, so to say, where he didn't make many changes and then the t the players just died out in the end and the, the game against English, that was a struggle and there were a few injuries. And I think uh, he should re rotate just throughout those games now, uh, just not to accumulate too much fatigue and... Yeah, that starts with this game against Hamburg because the win against Schalke is obviously not only important for the fans, but also important for the table. And like you said, Hertha and Hoffenheim are playing against each other, so they might there might be a gap after this game to them. And uh, the game against Hamburg is also important, but not as much. And uh, they're playing at home, so that's an advantage. So there should be some rotation. And the other players should be good enough to, to get a good result or have the chance at a good result against Hamburg as well. And we need the entire squad for those uh, few weeks in April now because the games are just coming in rapid succession. Yeah, I do wonder you know, who will be even available after... 
Schalke roughed up Dortmund, <laughs> you know, that's at least what I expect. And we mustn't forget, after the Hamburg match, there is uh, Bayern looming on the weekend. So, um, you know, Hamburg more or less the uh, least prestigious match of the three within one week. And after that, it's uh, the Champions League knocking on the door. So, you know, games do come in thick and fast. Um, yeah, the only problem is now that we don't have too much time. So uh, I guess we might just move on to predictions and uh, yeah, hope for a very successful week for Dortmund to, to start that really yeah cramped schedule. Luca, you go first this time. Yeah, I kind of expect a similar match to the Ingolstadt game and uh, yeah, a similar result as well. So I just say one no for Dortmund. See, that's where I slightly disagree with you because I think it will be a similar game, but I do think also that uh, Hamburg are a little bit more capable in finishing off their chances. And I do think that Bobby Wood uh, will get on a scoring cheat, which is why I predict a one-all draw. Konstantin? Yeah, actually, I wanted to come up with, um, you know, the contra contradictory um, prediction. So I agree. I think it will be a crappy 1-1. All right. Matthias, do you predict a trappy 1-1? Um, I think it's going to be a scrappy affair. Um, I also agree Bobby Wood is always dangerous. He's got some speed, even though they, they also tend to leave a lot of chances. You know, I'm, I'm, like I said, this is not a trap game. So don't want to win 3-1. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a trap game. <laughs> All right. Hashtag not a trap game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see about this, uh, on the flip side of, of next week. So, uh, you know, I think we will record our next show on Thursday, if not Wednesday. So once again, thank you all for joining. It was a pleasure recording this. Um, Matthias, you will be the first to, uh, tell us where people can find you on the internet and maybe the last to do the outro while I have you here. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matthias Suk. That is very nice. Luca, you go next. At Luca Gian on Twitter. Awesome. And occasionally on yellowwarpot.com. Sometimes. When when university isn't around. He's basically yeah, a semi-professional Twitter guy. <laughs> <laughs> semi only because he doesn't get paid. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. <laughs> Give me money. Someone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can you can do that on Patreon, but uh, before we get to that, Constantine, where uh, can people find you and who's paying you for written stuff? Twitter, uh, cc underscore ecknier. Um, yeah, I don't want to uh, talk about my paid gigs. Have All right then. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you can find me at Stefan Wotzko. I might be paid for my written work on ESPN FC and now Matthias. Yes. Take it away. Okay. Um, so you can find the Yellow Wall on Twitter at Yellow Wall Pod, on Facebook, Yellow Wall Pod. And again, uh, also on Patreon. Thank you for all of your support there. It's been rather humbling and growing more than we had expected. So you can find us there. Also iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. So we're just everywhere. And of course, yellowwallpod.com. Just put that in and you can Read a lot of lovely articles and, of course, listen to your favorite podcast. <laughs>